Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. That's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. Hooray for Hollywood! Hooray for Hollywood! You're so misunderstood. Keep shining like you should. Hooray for Hollywood! Hey, this is Brett Gersky. Welcome to another episode of On the List. This is episode number 74. It's July 2023. We are coming to you from the Believe Network. My guests today are currently the hottest writing team in Hollywood. One of them has been a friend of mine for a long time. The other I'm just getting to know. Together, they've written on some of the most popular TV shows ever, including a little show you might have heard of called Family Guy. Other credits include American Dad, The Orville, and Aquafina's Nora from Queens. Now they've taken their talent to the big screen with what is sure to be the comedy hit of the summer, Joyride. I've seen it. I loved it. I'm going to talk to them all about it. Of course, I'm talking about Cherry Chupa Pravat Wrong and Teresa Sow. What's up, Cherry and Teresa? Hi. Hey. How is that? <laughs> you know, where you know what? You practice my name. You didn't practice Teresa's. So you maybe you can practice it now. Teresa you know, it was close. It was close. It was close. It was close. Yeah. It's hard worse. It's like sh- it's shall with like. Shall. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Yours seemed yeah. like the easy one. <laughs> I know it's true. It's, yeah. It's, you know, three consecutive vowels and then the H and the S. It's it's hard. It's yeah. hard. Okay. Well, now I know it. See, I know Cherry longer. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It's so fair. it's fair. We've <laughs> it's fair. both heard so much worse. It's crazy. Okay. <laughs> Good. I practiced. Um, so we are on Zoom right now. So the video from this podcast will be available on YouTube and Instagram. It is so good to see you guys. It's always a pleasure. Uh, but this week in particular is a very big week in your lives, quite possibly the biggest. Your movie Joyride is hitting theaters everywhere nationwide Friday, July 7th. How are you feeling? You're in the home stretch right now. Uh, we're spiraling. We're exhausted. <laughs> we're we've never been better. We it's truly weird. this is yes, yes. She can say the positive things. We're nervous. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Um, but we are thrilled and excited. Uh, but we are shitting our pants. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you know that's a that's an interesting mix. You know, excitement, yeah. nerves. Um, so this movie has been many years in the making. It was first announced in 2018 when your script was set up at Point Grey, which is Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg's company, and at Lionsgate. Then uh, it seemed like the pandemic may have delayed things a little bit, but then <laughs> just a little. But then in July 2021, two years ago, you announced your director and your cast. Uh, it stars for people who don't know Ashley Park, Sherry Cola, Stephanie Sue, Sabrina Wu. So that was two years ago. Then you started filming October 2021. Now it's hitting theaters July 7th, this big summer release. So you actually premiered it four months ago at South by Southwest. What was it like in March, the first time you saw it with an audience at the premiere? 
It was it was incredible. I mean, we have been living with it obviously for so long now yeah. since we shot the movie two years ago. So to finally have other people see it uh, was very cool, and especially at South by where Austin is incredible. Everyone was like a little bit drunk, which really helped. <laughs> so it was really fun. We love a late night screening. We love a screening where you know it starts at nine, and people have already had dinner and you know sloshed a couple of drinks down, and then they're ready. And there's the, the, the crowd there is big, also. So seeing it with that many people, like what 1,300 people, is awesome. Yeah, South by Southwest for people who don't know is in Texas, and it's like the coolest, newest kind of. You know, all the edgy movies kind of premiere there, right? And us! So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah comedies. I feel like it gives comedy a chance. It's, it's, a, it's great for comedy. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so that must have been cool. And then the reviews start pouring in. It was holding steady with 100% on Rotten Tomatoes for four months. What yeah. was that like when, you, when the reviews start coming in and they're so good? We like the reviews. 100 <laughs> made us nervous. We knew it wasn't ever going to stay at 100 yeah, yeah, yeah. because it's crazy to have a movie be at 100, unless you're Paddington 2, I guess. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we're not, we are, listen, we are not as good we're, as Paddington 2. controversial. There are some things in the movie that we definitely know that people aren't going to like. But so, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's holding right, steady. Right yeah, yeah. It's, 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 what is it, 93? I feel like it's been like a 93, 92, 91 today. I don't know what it is right this second, but yeah. The 90s is, is really good on well, Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> don't you think? Um, so... I got to see the movie last weekend. I told Cherry this. The audience was laughing so much, they were screaming laughing. Not just, like, giggling. They were, like, screaming laughing. That's why I think it's, like, the sleeper hit of the summer. I got that same feeling in the theater that I got the first time I saw The Hangover and Bridesmaids, where people just, like, can't control themselves, you know? And so that's why I think people have to go see this in the theater this weekend, because that's how, you know, it's intended to be seen. There's nothing like seeing a good comedy where the people behind you are laughing so loud that you miss the next joke. People in front of you are laughing so much they're like falling out of their chair. Like it's rare when we get those kind of movies. And this is that kind of movie. That's what was going on in my screening. And the audience even cried a few times. So yep. it's got yep. heart. It's got it's heart. Spoiler alert, guys. Ten people tend to have an entire range of emotions when they're watching it. Yeah. So. That's a nice thing. You know, it's not just oh, comedy. We, I mean, that we kind of, you know, we intended it the entire time to have both of those effects. So it's like being actually able to see it have that effect and have that exact effect that we wanted on people has been awesome. Yeah. The way I've been describing your script to people is hilarious and heartfelt. That those we'll are, wait, it. those yeah. are, we will take, wait, aren't those, are those Sherry's keywords? And then the third one's horny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, some, it's something like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that'll get people into the theater more than mine. <laughs> really, that's all we want is for people to uh, come in horny and leave hornier. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yep. that's an amazing endorsement. Wow. If our movie inspires someone to bang someone immediately after they leave the theater, then, you know, we did our job. Or before they leave the theater. Honestly, you know, you know what? what? Brett, we like I love the way your mind works. You know what? Great. Perfect. Yeah. Just finish watching the movie first. Yeah, um, or whatever. You know, you want my task. Whatever works for you. I think we're going to get people in the theater just from these few little tips. Right? <laughs> okay, great. They're great. That's what we want. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a deep dive into the movie in a little bit. But first, I want people to get to know about you guys, because this podcast is like my own version of Inside the Actor Studio. But today it's Inside the Writer Studio. So a little backstory about how Cherry and I know each other. We met through our friends Seth MacFarlane and Alana Kleiman. I always heard your name for years through them. They were always raving about you, how you're the best, you're so fun on set, you're the coolest. 
then, of course, I had to become friends with you, too. We would go to movies together. We'd go to Sunset Tower for Seth's birthday parties, vibrato for Seth's you know, musical performances. And one thing that always happens when we hang out is we just laugh pretty much the whole time, either about something or someone or it's just always, I like always, I like the someone you're just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly it's just always a very good time and and throughout the whole pandemic we we were on a group chat with Alana and we still are uh, and it was our outlet to kind of inform each other what was going on in pop culture because during the pandemic there were a lot of people getting canceled and you know now we use it to talk about the writer strike and our picketing plans and I got to pick it with both of you and some of the Joyride cast at the Fox lot so that's where I met Teresa. And Sherry Cola was ordering like pizzas for everybody. She was really nice and and generous. And uh, I got to hang out with you know the Joyride cast and crew, which was which was cool for me. So uh, that's my little backstory on Cherry. Anything you want to chime in about Seth or Alana or our friendship oh, with well, them? First of all, I mean, shout out to Seth. Literally, just the day he posted about the movie, which was so 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 nice of him so that was awesome and he's he a big like, he's a big fan of you you guys we're like oh stop stop oh my god we go we all we all go back so far it's crazy yeah. um and you know so so that was so that was really nice but yeah no i i like i like the when you when you said that basically what we all do is just like we just laugh the entire time that's literally how me and Teresa started writing the movie is like we would just hang out and laugh all the time and then we were like well we're writers maybe we should like typey type some of these things this is how we type this is how we type <laughs> Like it looks exactly like this. this. We share a laptop. This this laptop. This laptop. Could do, and then we do this. Me right hand, her left hand. That's what this is. Wow. Um, it's literally that's how that's how this movie started. It's just because we're just like friends, like fucking around, you know. And then we were just like, oh, like you know, what what if we kind of start putting some of these ideas down in a way that they could actually become something something written at some point in time? Like no pressure on ourselves, really, but just like, oh, this is fun, you know. These like. Put some jokes on paper. Well, that's a, I love that. Like when I saw the the Joyride trailer for the first time, I remember thinking like, this was an idea in Cherry and Teresa's head that's now going to be a movie that the whole world can see. Like it was so major. It was awesome. It's it was so crazy exciting. Getting it's crazy. It's crazy because we weren't when we started writing it. We weren't thinking that anyone was actually going to do it. You know, we were just trying to again make each other laugh, and we were like basically messing around like trying to take off time from actually having to do our regular jobs. Right. From, like after a while, we were like, wait, this might, this like is pretty good. Like, we <laughs> like something. This. We like we it. Like maybe it. maybe it. other Someone people else will. might also like it. And luckily enough, there were uh, people who were like, yeah, we, we do like it. And we want to put this sick, twisted thing out in the world. It's amazing. And here it is. It's coming out. Um, before before we get to it, though, before we get to it, people have to know more about you guys. So uh, we'll start with tell people where you guys are originally from. Where were you born or raised? Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, I was born in Indiana, Bloomington, okay. Indiana. My parents went to IU, Hoosiers, go Hoosiers. Uh, and But I was uh, raised, I, we, our family moved to um, just outside of Boston. Uh, so I grew up outside of Boston. Nice. And so, uh, Cherry, you've told me that growing up, your parents were kind of strict about what TV shows and movies you could watch. Oh, yeah. They, they were. They, it was weird. It's like in my early childhood, they weren't as strict. And then when you get to the age where they're like trying to actually like, you know, middle school, high school, where they actually like, oh, your grades count. Then they got <laughs> and they were like, you can no longer watch anything. And that sucked. And then I became I just I can't even remember how I how this happened since I wasn't allowed to watch TV. But at some point I caught a glimpse of Saturday Night Live and I was like, you got to give me one. 
So that was like the one thing that they would let me watch. And then, you know, that's I just, kind of the best one. Yeah. Then they're then they're not home and then I'm watching whatever when they're not home. But I mean, that was officially the the one that, that I could watch. But yeah, they were they yeah, they were like, no, thank you. Um, and then <laughs> and then the opposite happened to me. Sorry, guys. That's what's so funny is that, you know, they were protecting you from maybe raunchy content and then you went off and created it yourself. They should, have, they should have banned like law. Yeah, banned I know. Like, oh, no. Banned medicine. The medical profession is terrible. You definitely shouldn't go into that. Just totally. Yeah. Reverse but, psychology. Backfired on them big time. I know. It's always funny because I'll make certain pop culture references to the 80s or 90s, like Beverly Hills, 90210, and you'll be like, never seen it. And I'm like, I've literally what? never seen it. No, I. Jerry's seen nothing. We found out yesterday she hasn't seen Twister. I'm sorry. But that's not because your parents wouldn't let you, right? That's just you were busy doing. I other- just somehow never saw Twister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. it wasn't, I want to say it, it probably didn't. I don't think it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, there's you, a lot of movies that you haven't seen. It's like it's, we play this game. Where, I, yeah. yeah, holes. Go, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, we play this game where it's like you list a movie that you think everyone in the group has seen. <laughs> And she's always the one getting people out because she's just never seen like so many movies, which is great. Which is, but here's the the thing is Teresa's never seen any Star Wars movie, which yeah. is crazy. Like, I refuse. But, yeah, but it's, uh. it's, it's, but those are huge. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's, I, I hate space. You, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But she's seen like the touchstones of like when we were growing up in the eighties and no, Yeah, yeah, no, all of those right. for sure. I think I'm missing. Well, you know, you know, you. I'm missing so many rom-com touchstones, and you get very mad at me. But anyway, not mad. I'm just surprised. <laughs> no, I know. I've seen some. We were just talking about Miss Congeniality earlier today. Oh great, yeah, great movie. That's a good great one. Movie. But Teresa, you were allowed to watch everything growing up. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't care. My parents were like, whatever. <laughs> a television raised me. No, my <laughs> TV. Um, no, yeah, uh, they were, you know, obviously, uh, I, I don't think there were some, there were some shows that I, I don't think I was allowed to watch, like maybe even like the Simpsons or family guy back in the day, like maybe I wasn't allowed to watch. I truly don't remember. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I, I was pretty open to watching anything. Okay. So I have to ask when you guys were kids, did you ever think to yourself, I'm going to work in Hollywood someday. I'm going to make movies and TV shows. No, no, no way. You can't do that. That's crazy. I did that. <laughs> no, I know, but no, but we the Asian people can't do that. That's crazy. What? No, I mean, my parents like literally, like famously, caught me watching famous to myself. Caught me watching Margaret Cho one time. Yeah, like they're they've banned me from watching TV, and yet somehow I was always watching and getting caught. And they like got very angry. They were like, "Listen, Asians can't make it in comedy. Like, yeah, she's one, you know what I mean? But you're not going to." And I was like, "Okay, yeah." Well, by the way, they're right. You know, at the time, it's like it's, it's a, whatever. Now the odds are very low, so I'm not mad at them for like having that attitude. But it's like. Yeah, no, they were like, it, it did not seem at all possible. Cut to cut to Joyride this weekend. <laughs> changing Here, decades later, after many decades, yes. You guys changed the game. Um, so when, when did you first have that thought, like, maybe I could be a writer someday professionally? Well, I had taken like a summer internship, like at a big bank. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. This is like a really safe job. Um, I'm doing like the right thing. I'm doing the practical career thing. And it was a bank called Lehman Brothers. And a year and a half after I I was there, it went bankrupt and triggered a $700 billion government bailout. So it's sort of like when you do the safe path and it doesn't really work out, you're like, well, I'm going to go the opposite direction. Uh, I love television. I've always thought about writing for TV, but never really knew what it like that 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 was an actual job that people had. Yeah. Um, but just started, yeah, writing on the side. And then uh, you know, Cherry's name was actually one of the ones that I saw on TV that I was like, wow, there's 
an Asian woman writer on Family Guy? Like, what? Who is this person? Um, so I was, you know, a fangirl. That's such a full circle thing that you saw her name on TV and then wrote a movie together. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. I love that. Well, I have to brag about you guys for a second because, Cherry, you went to Yale. Yeah. And Teresa, you went to Harvard. You guys yeah. were obviously underachievers. Um, yeah, yeah, for so sure. we were smart when we were 17 years exactly. old. Exactly. <laughs> then it all went downhill. But tell us, this is interesting. What did you guys major in at those respective schools? Psychology. I don't know. What I, it, it was fine. Yeah. I, there was no creative writing major, which I, is what I would have done if they would have had it, but they didn't have it. So. Interesting. Uh, I, I majored in economics because, again, I was a dirty, dirty capitalist uh, <laughs> at the time, and I thought I wanted to be a banker. That's so interesting. Well, I heard, Teresa, that at Harvard, you served on the board of Harvard Undergraduate Women in Business. Yeah. You were the editor-in-chief of that organization's first national magazine, and it was called oh. Make It Happen, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's- oh, God. Yeah. Hey, you were making things happen. I made it happen. I, exactly. Well, here's what's so interesting. My whole life, my mom has always said to me, make it happen. That's like our thing, our, our phrase. Wow. And so like one day my autobiography is going to be called Make It Happen. My documentary is going to be called Make It Happen. Okay. When I moved to L.A., I had her write on a piece of paper, Make It Happen, and I framed it. And That's I keep so it with me. And so when I, I read that that was the name of your magazine, I thought that was so, you know, synchronistic. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, make it. Ha- I, ha- I have. I actually have tons of merch in my house that's like from from the time that says "Make it happen." I have a folder in my in my like computer. I think that's so funny. Yeah, but, it's crazy. But I like that you were you know writing for a magazine. You were getting your creative writing outlet at exactly. Harvard, even though yeah. part of you thought you were going to be stuck working in banking. And so, Cherry, you end up graduating from Yale and going to law school at NYU. Yep. Again, underachieving. Um, none of this sounds like the people that would ultimately end up writing the movie Joyride. I have to say that. But I did notice that the characters in your movie share some of your personal history. So Ashley Park's character, Audrey, is a lawyer, which Cherry almost went that route. Uh, Cherry went to law school. And then Audrey wants to eventually move to Los Angeles, which you both eventually did. Um, Sherry Cola's character works at her parents' restaurant. Cherry, I think your parents have a mm-hmm. restaurant, right? And too, and, yeah. And it, what kind of restaurant is it? They were Thai restaurants. Thai restaurant. And you worked there while going to law school? Uh, when did I work? Yeah, you know, it was like, it was, yeah, but not really because I would, basically when I would come home like during the summer or like winter break or whatever, that was when I was working there. I was usually okay. I left the house by then. But yeah, I did, I did, I did my time. Not okay. good at it. <laughs> that, by the way, not a good weight, you know, person. Sorry, can't really carry. Can only carry two glasses at once, not carrying a tray. Right. No. Two at a time. So Sherry's character got that from you. Um, so since you moved to L.A. first, let's start with you. You graduated from Yale and NYU Law School. What made you take that leap and move to L.A.? I just didn't have any other options. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I went to law school because at the end of undergrad, I knew I wanted to be a writer, but my parents were really encouraging me to go to grad school. And I did not know anyone in LA. I don't, didn't know anyone in the industry whatsoever. And I basically, at that age, was too scared to do it. Like, I, you know, I just didn't, I just wasn't ready. Yeah. So moving to New York, you know, which is a closer big city, you know, to Michigan was kind of like that 
sort of transitional step. And granted, it was miserable and I hated law school and it, you know, cost a lot of money and I racked up even more student loans than I already had. That sucked. But honestly, at the end of three years, having graduated from law school, okay, now I have no more school to go to. Like that's, I'm done, you know? So I basically had no choice except to put all my stuff in a car and, you know, thank you, mom and dad for the car um, and drive to LA. And I still didn't know anyone. And I still, you know, just had to find a random apartment on Craigslist and just find a random job on the internet. But at that point I was, you know, I had, what else? So I was just, I was, I was basically slightly more ready and there was nothing else to do. So something was just telling you to follow your dream. Yeah. At that point I was just like, well, there's, I mean, I tried law school and that sucked. So, you know, (laughs) I'm going to go to med school or something now that's insane. So it's like, I might as well um, take a shot in LA. Did you have a job when you moved out there or you found I didn't have a job. job. I literally showed up with my car and found a roommate situation on the internet. And then I got a job at CAA. Yeah. I want to say sometime within the first couple of weeks. So that was good. Um, so that was nice, but yeah, I, but I showed up just being like, hello, <laughs> hello city. I don't, you know, don't have anyone to call here at all. It's amazing. What was that? 2005? Uh, Oh, two. Oh, 2002. Me too. I'm 2002. Oh, nice. So, okay. So tell us how you get the job on Family Guy. That was 2005. That was, yeah, that was 04. Okay. So I got that because I was in the inaugural year of the CBS Writers Mentoring Program. Okay. And as part of that program, they let you go and just observe, just sit in someone in in your mentor's writer's room um, and just observe. So my mentor was Greg Garcia. So I went and hung out in the writer's room at Yes Dear. And that's I met Chris Sheridan, who like a couple months later, Family Guy got uncanceled. You know, it had been canceled and uncanceled a couple times. Right. But time it got uncanceled and they brought him back, uh, Chris Sheridan. They brought him on as one of the showrunners with David Goodman. And Chris Sheridan remembered me from hanging out in the Yes Dear room um, and was like, oh, I'm staffing now. Do you have a spec script? Do you have an agent? And I was like, yes, I have both those things. You know, here's all the information. Um, and so basically that was, you know, so whatever he Pass my script along to David. You got an agent then? I got an agent oh. sometime during the program. I feel like there was like, oh, like window of time where it's like sometime during the program. Yeah. So it's by the time he like asked me that, you know, I was like, yes, here's all my official stuff to send. Um, and my manager, Helena, also I knew by then too. So, so yeah. So basically that was it. It was like, I kind of, it was one of those things. And here's the thing. I also knew Chris through my other friend, Alex Carter, whom I met being an assistant at industry entertainment where my manager, you know, was and still is. So it's like, I kind of knew Chris from two different avenues um, by the time he called. So it just, it just kind of goes to show you just never know. You know what I mean? I was just like, Oh, I just like sort of like showed up. I was like, Hey, some dork observing your writer's room for a couple of days um, and like friends of friends. And then it can, it kind of all coalesce together. I love that story that he remembered you from hanging out. You do, yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. so cool. That's oh my a- god, guys! I was so incredibly charismatic as the dork sitting on the side of the room watching people do their job. Right? No, but what he liked it. Does she have a speck? Oh god! Oh, the dork has a speck. Oh, that loser! <laughs> the loser in the corner has a speck. Please send it in. But that, I mean, basically. So thank you, thank you, Chris. Yeah, it must have been a good speck. I was loser. Yeah, yeah. Oh, god. oh, oh, yes, it was brilliant. Yeah, no, I mean, no, he was, he was. What sure. was it? It was a scrubs. Thank you scrubs. very much. Scrubs. Um, right. And yeah, no, but I, I I found out later that the way he he read specs then and still does now when he's staffing for um, his show Resident Alien is he takes all the cover stuff and reads them blind. So 
he knew me, but then when he was reading, he didn't know me. So it's so nice that he, I didn't find this out until years later that he was like, oh, but then I liked your spec best. And then it turned out, it was like, oh God, I hope it's that girl, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, who's perfect. Also, whoo, okay. So, so that's nice. That's amazing. Was Richard Pell there at the time? Uh, no, he, uh, no, I think he came like maybe four, four years later. Okay. Cause he's a friend of ours. He's the showrunner of Family Guy. So at one point you were the only female writer at Family Guy, right? For a while. Several points. Yes. Yes. I had a couple windows where it was just me. What was that like? I mean, fine. Cause I just like, I always liked when I started, it was me and Alice Borstein. So I definitely liked it when I, you know, had another woman in the room, but when she left, but like, you know, by the time she left, I'd been there for a couple years. So it was like, this is not ideal, nor was it ideal when it was like the two of us, but it, it, it was fine. I, I think at the time it was like when you're living through it and it was, this is a very long time ago. It's the kind of thing where I was like, well, it's just my job, whatever. I'm going to continue doing my job. And I'm friends with the other writers and this is fine. Looking back, it's insane. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy that any anybody for any window of time, when we were there together, we were the only two women and the only two people of color on staff. You know, that's insane. You wouldn't do that with a new staff now. No. Wow, that's fascinating. And they even mentioned it in one of the episodes of Family Guy, how you were the only female writer. It was like a joke. There was a joke about me being the only female writer and... There was another half of that joke that was also about me being the only person of color that they cut that half because then it was like, oh, God. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. like, no, really shining a spotlight on. Yeah. The really self owned yeah, over there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, what do they say? You broke the glass ceiling over there? Over there. I don't I can't. Oh, you mean for the for what that actual joke was? No, no, no. You broke the glass ceiling being the only female writer at Family Guy until... I mean, I didn't do it on purpose. I was already... The, you know what I mean? I was like grandfather. It was like that. then we lost one. You know what I mean? It's not like they like hired me to be the... It was like me and right. Alex Christine were there and then she left. So then it was just like, well, now I'm still here. So. Well, I have to mention that um, there, your name comes up a lot on Family Guy episodes if people who are fans of the show want to go back and, and find these cherry Easter eggs. So I found out that there's an episode called Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, where Peter rearranges the letters of your name in the opening credits, so people can look for that. Uh, there's an episode called Dead Dog Walking, where Peter talks about you during the opening credits and talks about how you're a lawyer and he gives out a fake address for you, uh, which is a funny joke. <laughs> you never did end up becoming a lawyer. I did not. And I have not. That's the thing. It's like these jokes were all like, like. You, at Family Guy, the writer's room is separated to different rooms. And I would always be like in a different room and then come back and then find it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that that another room had like done that. Yeah. Well, it was a, they were doing it out of love, right? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. No, no, yeah. <laughs> and then in the episode, No Giggity, No Doubt, uh, Peter mentions you <laughs> as, as someone. Enjoying titles. Okay, go on. Sorry. Yeah. Peter mentions you as someone who should go on an excursion with Meg. Oh, really? See, yeah. here's the thing. from having worked there for such a long time, such a long time ago. I don't remember this one. Truly. I don't know whether you do. I don't remember any of this. Great. I'll go on an excursion with Meg. It's fine. Yeah, let's do it. I guess nobody wanted to. So they offered you up. Oh, okay. great. <laughs> I'm assuming. So you worked at Family Guy from like 2004, 2005, all the way pretty much through like 2020 off and on season four through season 18. You wrote scripts. I think. Uh, I, no. Well, I guess because the seasons come out like much later than right. I actually there i i went to the orville in 2016 right we'll um and then i and then i had some freelance scripts yeah yeah we'll get we'll get to the orville but in 2012 teresa joined the writing staff of family guy she well, was that the year okay. so. we literally we people have been asking us and we're just like 
we're like, we're sure we've been friends for like over 10 years, but we don't know. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. It's 11 years. Uh, Answer. Wow. I love that. It's full circle that you saw her name in the credits and then you ended up working there. Uh, So Teresa, how did you find your way to family guy? Uh, I had been basically, I was working in, uh, in LA and I just had scripts that I was writing on the side. I had a, uh, I had a, a finance job, um, over at NBC universal and ended up answering essentially like a classified ad. It was like looking for comedy writers. And I was like, I'll just send in my script. Who knows what's going to happen. Uh, and I got hired on a Canadian kids show that, uh, was shooting or that that writer's room was out here, but they shot it in Toronto. So I, that was the first time anyone really paid me to write television. So it was exciting. Um, but that was, you know, that was the, we, we wrote 20 episodes in 12 weeks. We were in like the attic of a church on Gower. Uh, so it was a really random kind of little show, but that got me um, an agent and a manager. And the next season they send me out for staffing and I got hired on family guys. So it really was kind of like going from, you know, like single A baseball to like all of a sudden like, hey, you're starting uh, in the major leagues, which was really different and, and great and uh, also terrifying. So that's actually how I got started on Family Guy. Were you excited that first time that you met Cherry, put a face with Oh, absolutely. I was like, wow. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Were you? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> it's like. Gorgeous. Show up and you see another incredibly hot woman at work, and, and you're, you're like, just, fucking sight." Yeah, two super hot women at work. I, yeah, no, I, I feel like it. Well, it, it's always just, I don't know whether this is the same for you. It's like when I showed up, I was just so fucking terrified. I wouldn't even have registered anything. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, I hope I don't. I don't even know what I was thinking. I was just like paranoid. I was just, you, you, you show up in a writer's room, and you're just completely paranoid, right? Like, it's as a as a baby writer, you know. Yeah, like absolutely. When it's like your first staff job, and you're just like, well, hope I don't get fired. Hope I do the right thing. You know what I mean? So it's like almost not even registering a lot of a lot of things. But you were there at least to you know take Teresa under your wing. Oh, we would take walks together. It was warm and fuzzy. That's yeah, so nice. Yeah, sanity nice. walks. Sanity. We, we needed that a little sanity walk during lunchtime. So you guys were like instant friends. Is that safe to say? I here's I both will say yes. And also I have no memory. You know I, I, mean? I, I, I don't, I, we can't tell you. It's like probably, but we I literally probably. definitely, definitely probably, but we don't, I, I don't remember. I wouldn't be able to tell you when the first time we took a walk was, you know, yeah. no, it's okay. But yeah. the fact that you took walks at all is what's important. Right? Guys, we left the building and got some fresh air, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, and that's key. Needed it. That's key. Yes. Right. Exactly. A lot of windows at the family guy office did not open. You know what I'm saying? It's like you'd be in the get out probably of good for safety. Yeah, probably. Exactly. Um, so, Terry, you mentioned Alex Borstein. So uh, I want to talk about the voice cast for a minute of Family Guy because it's legendary. Alex Borstein is Lois. Seth MacFarlane is obviously Peter and Brian and Stewie. Seth Green is Chris. Mila Kunis is Meg. You got to write for those actors for all those years you had those voices in your head. What was it like writing for those characters? These like, not just the, you know, iconic character, but the voice actor behind the character. Oh, it's so fun. Like, that's the thing. It's like, especially coming into Family Guy, you know, it wasn't a new show. So it was like existed already. So we already knew what the voices were going to be. And they were so ingrained that it made it very easy. Like you could, and it's, it's, it was so much. It's not necessarily like saw a new show. It's like the voices were in your head already, just from having watched previous. And you knew these people were funny, and you knew they were going to elevate whatever you know joke you were going to write. Um, and of course, Alex and Beth literally in the room also. So yeah, it's just fun. Yeah, 
That sounds amazing. And so was it always cool? Did it ever get old, like, hearing your words come to life at the table read and then in the episodes? No, it never gets old, especially at a table read, because that's literally, uh, you know, on a TV show, especially on an animated show, that's like the play. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, here, oh, my God, the curtain's going up and this is the show. So that that's always fun. Yeah, I've been to some Family Guy table reads. They're they're epic. They're so fun. And everyone's like cracking up. It's the first time everyone's hearing it out loud. Yeah, it's nice. And yeah. and then sometimes, you know, you get dead silence because they're not all winners. And then people are not cracking up. And then you... <laughs> It. So that's that's what writing is. Right, exactly. You just keep making it funnier. I love that. Um, so when you guys look back at your time on Family Guy, what do you remember most? Do you have favorite episodes or just favorite moments? I'm partial to the episode, <laughs> like obviously, because also it was my episode, but the one just because I got to do this where like Stewie and Brian are watching the entire Fast and Furious franchise. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> because it's my, you know what I mean? It's like my thing. It's like, it's like you take your own thing and you're like, oh my God, I have to actually put it and make it somebody else's thing. It's like, that's guys, that's cool. Cherry loves the Fast and Furious movies for people. Yes. And I think also Cherry loves One Direction. I do. And so I that do was an exciting right. moment where we got yes, to we got, record. We, or yeah. something you got to I don't know. I know. Liam, Liam and Lee recorded. We office. met them. We have their picture. Yeah, we have. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's. that's, that's yeah. Funny. Cherry's the number one One Direction slash Harry Styles fan. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Of yeah. all the billions of people in the world. <laughs> Who are fans of them? I'm the number one fan. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Well, who else? Who else got them on Family Guy? Yeah, we did it. Yeah, yeah. So sure, you did it. Yeah, you always worked your you know Fast and Furious references into the show. You have to really know your pop culture to write on Family Guy because it's full of pop culture references. That must have been fun. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to have been able to use that. Totally. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now in 2014, Cherry stays at Family Guy. Teresa moves to another Seth MacFarlane produced animated series, American Dad. What was that like switching shows? You guys weren't working together anymore. Oh, but we were still in the same building. We were still in the same building. The so walks still, still happens. Yes. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it was great. It was another, uh, obviously another Seth show and um, a different kind of show. It was a really fun environment. The people there were like, uh, great uh it was yeah it was it was it was just fun i mean obviously it's a very different show um but he still does the voices for a couple of characters and so right. it felt like it was still in that same universe no matter what so and of course we needed the walks yeah. <laughs> i you love know? these walks yeah you know you get your steps in in, in retrospect it's like we should have written a movie earlier we, honestly, i don't know why what, what we're talking honestly, about honestly why were we not breaking a whole movie literally every day during our lunch walks we could have just done like 20 minutes a day and we could have like joy ride could have come out like eight years ago yeah the world wasn't ready until july of 2023 um so we're almost up to that so 2017 cherry you become a writer and producer on another seth mcfarland show the orville seasons one two and three uh our friend alana Kleiman's a producer on that show too seth created it he's an actor on it along with adrian palicki scott grimes Penny Johnson, Gerald, Jay Lee, Jessica Zor. I also visited that set a few times. What was so cool about it? Yeah, it's so cool because it's like here's an office building. Here's a whole spaceship. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say they give you an entire soundstage at Fox, and it was an actual two floor interior of a ship. Yep. Like, that was not like separate rooms that are just filmed. That oh, is walk, you little walk all the way around it, go up the spiral staircase, go upstairs. Yeah. It is built to scale. So what was that like going from, you know, an animated comedy to a live action sci-fi show? That I mean, that was great because going from animation to live action, like literally 
useful skill for having, you know, for like filming a movie later. It's because it's such a different thing. I just come up in animation. I just, there were just simply things that I did not know about being on a set that I got to learn on the Orville. So that was very nice. That's perfect. And then that segues perfectly into 2018 when Teresa becomes a writer and producer on the fifth season of the hit ABC sitcom Fresh Off the Boat, also going from animated to live action. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. I guess, I guess yeah, that just happened. I'm like, you're like, ah, yes, yes. But what <laughs> you have said about this, and and by the way, this is very timely for what's going on with the strike and everything like now, is just yeah. like, that was where, because at Fresh Off the Boat, you have a set buddy. So it's like, if you've never been to set, you go with someone who's more experienced and then you can learn, you know, which is so not happening on like most, you know, very short order or streaming shows nowadays. And that, that I feel like that's also valuable. Like before we we set foot on our own movie set. We had been on sets. So yeah. 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 And part of the reason why, I, I mean, obviously that I think that show is great. And part of the reason why I uh, did that season was because I had gotten, um, I had gotten the, basically our, the show Aquafina is from Queens had gotten greenlit. And I was like, wow, I've never had any set experience. I need to actually go and do a show and be on set before, you know, being, you know, creating the show because I had never done it before. Cause again, right. we had just, like draw this and have been drawn um and obviously it's very different um so yeah that was that was a great experience i think um especially like just seeing how like it's a well-oiled machine there it was season five for them and so um yeah it was just a it was a great sort of like oh here's here's how a network comedy works um when it's like it's been done like everyone knows their sort of role yeah that's cool did you enjoy that experience a live yeah. action onset sitcom. And then you got to do a Showtime series in 2019, Black Monday, where you don't really have the limitations of network TV on Showtime. You can kind of, you know, push the limits a little bit more. Did you get yeah, to Yeah, yeah. In, in, in like actuality, the Showtime show actually happened before Fresh Off the Boat. So oh. I had American Dad to go. Uh, and at the time, Black Monday was called Ball Street. Um, and because I had been, uh, I had worked on Wall Street uh, for like a minute. Um, that sort of, uh, I went there. I was part of that mini room, which it was like the first advent of mini rooms. It was like they had a room when they didn't even know if the show was greenlit or not. And so wow. um, that was the beginning of the end, I suppose, for, oh, uh, for, for the us. State of the industry. Of the yes, industry. it all started spiraling down. <laughs> it was bad. Um, but yeah, that was that was that, and then uh, just kept on trying to do more live action things before, obviously, Nora from Queens. Right. So let's talk about Nora from Queens because this is major. You create your own show with Aquafina. Uh, Aquafina is Nora from Queens on Comedy Central and HBO Max, and Cherry was a writer and producer on the show. So you guys were reunited at last. Yeah, we needed to come back together. We needed to have our walks. Yeah, it's true. Right? I love it. Yeah, that was the main. We've thing. done a lot of yeah. It's <laughs> amazing walks like during it's a really critically acclaimed show there's been three seasons so far 2020 to 2023 season three literally just finished airing last month people can binge all three seasons on max hbo max yeah. uh great show great cast aquafina bd wong bowen yang Lori tan chin who's also in joyride we'll get to that yes. uh so Teresa, what's that like creating your own show that's major yeah it was incredible i think it was one of those things where uh, you know, for so long, you're just writing, writing, writing. And then suddenly you're like, oh, there's this whole managerial aspect of like, you're the one making all the decisions. You're the one hiring the people you are. But also there are so many other people to sort of, um, you know, that are involved in the process of making a TV show because 
it's it's complicated. And so you're managing a crew and you're managing a writing staff and then you're managing like what's happening in post. And so it was a really great experience. And also one of those experiences where it's like, until you do it, you don't realize how chaotic your life becomes uh, yeah, because yeah. it's just pure chaos. Was Cherry one of your first phone calls with the show? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love yeah. the friendship. This friendship is like, makes me very oh, happy. Please, when it was just like, I was like, oh my God, so fuck. I, I did, listen, you live for, it's like, hey, your friend has a show and they're like, you want to just come work on it? And you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, great. It's literally, it sounds like oh, the dream. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so so like, how, did, how did the show come about? Did Aquafina come to you with an idea or did you go to her with an idea? We actually, at the Tales of Time, we met through our agents <laughs> at UTA. So, you know, shout out to UTA. Have you heard of packaging, which has gone away now, but uh, was a thing? <laughs> shout out to UTA. Uh, so what had happened was that she had actually had a, they had been, uh, Comedy Central had been talking to her about uh, making a TV show with her. And I think they had paired her up initially with a writer who like totally, like didn't uh, fully understand her sort of, uh, sensibility i guess okay. and to her credit she kind of was like you know what i want to find someone who uh i connect with and i like sort of knows basically my experience and so um we met for like coffee or something and she i think she was meeting a lot of people and then we just got along really really well and we just like immediately hit it off um and that's how that's how it all started it was like it was something that was like kind of plopped into my lap and i was like okay hey make a show for this person. And at the time, nobody knew who she was. You know, she was, she was someone who would like kind of come out. She had done like a bunch of YouTube videos, right. um, but she definitely wasn't like a household name at the time. It's amazing. I love that. And it's such a good show too. You guys nailed it. How much fun is that show to do? It's so much fun. She is so incredibly funny. Um, like working with Nora has been, like it's always chaotic. There's always something going on, but yet like she is able to like nail the comedy, but also the like groundedness of the character, uh, which allows us to do some insane things. It's like, okay, you can have her have like a really heartfelt moment with her dad at one point, And the next point she can time travel uh, and talk to herself from 2003. It's like, it's so wild and being, having that like it feels a little bit cartoonish in the, the sense of like kind of go, harkening back to the old animated days. Um, and I think she's like her for her, the ability to pull that off is really unique. Yeah. Well, first of all, she's an amazing comedic actress, but she's an unbelievable dramatic actress. The Farewell was one of my favorite movies of that year. Yeah, absolutely. That blew me she away. She do it all. It's too much. Yeah. It's amazing. I love it. It's annoying. Okay. It's annoying. Like, that <laughs> like, oh my God. Well, you guys are doing it all now too. So, uh, do you ever stop and for think- the camera? Oh my God. We're ready. No, we I don't know. Teresa has been mistaken forecast in the show. Literally, people have walked up at South by someone walked up and was like, you were great in the movie. Absolutely. I think it was just because they some saw someone coming out of a car. I mean, you know, <laughs> the only reason. Guys, get a car. OK, a and car. then everyone will think. Yeah, yeah. That's OK. No, but I think you guys could pass for, you know, movie stars. You guys have been working these red carpets. I've seen it. I've been watching it. Oh, we could, okay. we could be background. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe a background. little bit, you know. Yeah. Right maybe. now you're behind the scenes, but we'll. <laughs> We'll yeah, revisit yeah. that. Okay, we'll see. So all this time, like, do you guys ever stop and think to yourselves, like, wow, we've written a lot of episodes of TV over the years? You know what? Yes. I would say yes now, especially. And again, everything is at the forefront of it, you know, because of the strike. It's like people who just have started literally are on shows where there are just 
fewer episodes, like mm-hmm. numbers wise. And so, so having come up in a time when that actually was like, you know, you could have like a viable career, you know, right. because on a show that had 20 or 22 episodes a season or something, and then would get another season as opposed to being canceled after two seasons, just cause like it, it definitely is a thing that I I'm thinking about a lot more nowadays, just because, you know, this is, we're fighting for, I don't know whether we're ever going to get back to that, but you know what I mean? Just seeing the people fighting for what we have right now to hang on to it. It's crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Family Guy had like 22 episode seasons and you were there since 2005. So that's network television. Yeah. It's a different, and you know, those, those shows definitely still exist. You know, they're out there, like they're mostly one hours now, but you know, it's like, it's possible, but it's, it's rarer than it used to be. I'm very excited to announce that On The List is partnering with Magic Spoon Cereal, which is a product that I love. You know, if you were like me growing up, cereal was a very fun part of being a kid. But as you get older, you start to realize you may have to give it up because it's full of sugar or other junk we really shouldn't eat. So if you've tried to cut back on sugar or carbs or unhealthy foods in general, then Magic Spoon is the answer. It's the cereal that I really eat. I love every flavor that they make. They even have peanut butter cereal now. I'm a huge peanut butter fan, and they nailed it. I also love the Frosted as well as the Blueberry. Something I like to do is mix the Frosted with the Blueberry. Another combination I like is mixing the cocoa with the peanut butter, so you've got chocolate and peanut butter. And the fruity flavor is also great. Everyone I've told to try Magic Spoon has gotten hooked. And the best thing about Magic Spoon cereal, besides the fact that it tastes so good, is that it has zero sugar. No sugar at all, even though it tastes great. It's also low carb, only 3 grams, so it's keto friendly. And it's high in protein, 11 grams per serving. So it's got everything you need, and it excludes all the stuff you don't. And it's just really good. So if you go to magicspoon.com slash brett, B-R-E-T-T, you can make your own variety pack of four flavors. Choose from frosted, blueberry, fruity, cocoa, peanut butter, or any new flavors that they have to offer. Then just use the code BRETT at checkout for free shipping. And if that's not enough, it's backed with their 100% happiness guarantee, which means if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So that's magicspoon.com slash BRETT. B-R-E-T-T, then use the code BRETT at checkout for free shipping. Thank you to Magic Spoon for being part of On The List. And now, back to the show. Well, 18 years of TV episodes led you to your first film. So during all that time that you guys were working on these TV shows, creating TV shows, you were also writing, selling, and ultimately making Joyride. And for both of you, this is your first movie. So... Tell me how you decided, like, let's take this leap into the movies. It yeah, just it, happened. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, it was like, it was just it like, we wrote like, the script yeah. and um, Point Grey ended up being uh, interested in kind of coming on and producing the movie. And we said at the time, we were like, we want to be producers on the movie too, uh, which uh, to their credit, they were like, absolutely, 100%. And obviously very rare in the feature business to be able to come in and be like, we need to be producers on this movie. Um, But that just meant that, you know, especially in features, a lot of times the writers throw in a script and then all of a sudden they're gone. Thank you. Get Um, out. But we, because we were producers on the movie also, we were there, um, you know, for all the prep, all the hiring, all the casting, all of production, um, all of, you know, shooting, (laughs) shooting the movie. On set every day, rewriting every night and on the weekends. 
absolutely rewriting. He's like, you know, obviously there are days where you're like, you don't end up getting something. And so you have to rewrite something else. And, uh, you know, oh, you lost a location. So we have to rewrite something else. So like, obviously we all know like writing happens at every stage of production. Like there was no way anyone can be shooting a show without writing writers. Um, yeah. I don't know how it's happening mm. um, right now. <laughs> uh, hopefully it's not happening. Um, but it really was like, absolutely. And obviously we were also coming up with alts every single day in terms mm-hmm. of like um, us. And then also a couple, we had a couple onset writers who were there and it was just like a constant, you know, yeah, it was, we were, like working straight through. It was nonstop. It was so the entire time we were there. This was a seven day a week job. You know what I mean? Like it, we were like, people were like, Oh, how'd you like Vancouver? And you know what? No, I is lovely for the three hours that we actually got to like walk. And I I went to the park one. Yeah. Literally. It's like, it's like, Oh, the one time I could walk to the beach, that was nice. And there are some good restaurants there. That's, but we don't know. We literally don't know because we're like working the entire time. And then we, you know, and then obviously we came back and we were in post and we were editing and to what Teresa said, still writing during editing because you're editing the movie and you're making decisions about the story. But then also you're literally coming up with new lines because you have ADR, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes you're putting a joke in the back of someone's head to like fill in a space or just because we're trying to cram in as much comedy as possible. So like writing happens during like all of post as well. And so we were there. And so long story short, we're very tired. (laughs) Uh, We're exhausted. Uh, We're shells of, of our former selves. Yeah. Do you think it was all the TV experience that gave them the confidence to make you producers on it and reward you in that way? I mean, I think it definitely helped. I mean, they were like, oh, well, these are people who have like been working in TV comedy for years and have been mm-hmm. on, you know, like sets before. So this seems fine. You know, we'll teach them the way that we make movies, which, by the way, is very much like how TV comedy works, you know, like Point Grey, very much like group project, like several writers, like pitching. It's kind of like our video village is like, you know, it was like our little joke tent, you know, it's like we're pitching. It's like little tiny, little tiny uh, family guy gag room, just uh, in a tent in Vancouver in the rain. Um, so that is, so that was very, you know, they, they were into the way that we had worked previously and, you know, and we were into the way that they were like when they were like, Oh, we do a lot of alts. We're like, great. We yeah. love <laughs> we're used to it. You know, you need it. Exactly. Right. You want the biggest laugh you could possibly get. Yeah. Uh, and you want options because you never know. Like the thing that made you guys laugh on the set or whatever might, when you show it to an audience, legitimately might not make them laugh as much. And it's, you know, and honestly, that's, that those are, that's nice word to have something else to plug into that spot. Right. Well, so all of the hard work paid off because people are going crazy for the movie, myself included. I've been posting about it, not just because we're friends, but because I genuinely loved it. Like I said, it's like that same feeling you get from Bridesmaids Hangover. Also, Whoopi Goldberg was raving about it. Yeah, um, moment was, that was really yeah, cool. that was great. The Joyride cast was on The View. Whoopi went crazy about it. She did a rap uh, about the movie while Sabrina Wu beatboxed. It reminded me of Sister Act 2, which is my favorite Whoopi movie. She does an exact kind of, you know, rap beatbox scene in that movie. Uh, what is that like when you're watching The View and all of a sudden Whoopi Goldberg is just talking about how it's her favorite movie that she's seen lately? I mean, it's amazing. We'll take it. It was like that in the Amy Schumer moment. Like, no. and and see, like us, because we weren't there, but us watching the cast react to that is just so, they love each other. They're so wholesome. It's so cute. You know, like just watching yeah. their genuine reactions to being psyched about all this stuff. And then we're psyched that they're psyched. It's it's awesome. It's amazing what you guys have created. Yeah, Amy Schumer FaceTimed them while they were in the middle of doing press. They thought they were talking to like interviewers and all of a sudden it's Amy Schumer being like, I want to be best friends with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's great. It's great. It's it is one of those crazy things where it's I you know obviously we're we feel really grateful that we got to make a movie and we're like wow 
the fact that people are seeing it and responding in this way is really nice. But it's also like, I don't think it's hit us. Like, it's yeah. so weird. It's just a weird thing. Like, obviously, you make TV, you put it out there in the world, and you hope people see it. And it's really always so nice. Obviously, we're writers, we're neurotic, we're crazy. Where it's like, <laughs> people give you compliments. You're like, oh, that's really great. But like a movie, this movie has been a whole different animal Yeah, in the sense of like, oh, everyone watches it at one time. And then they flood you with like all these like, you know, thoughts and whatever. And it's like, it's so cool. Um, I, I guess it does feel like almost like a, if you were working on like network TV back in the day on like a hit show, it's like everyone yeah. watches at a certain time. Right. Yeah. But and responds at the same time. Cause yeah, usually that's true. It is, it is kind of like everything happened at once, like a floodgate of like, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, which, which has been the crazy thing. Yeah. It's just like, ah, all the texts came in at once. I'm now I'm overwhelmed. Right. It's almost too much at once. Like in the next few weeks, maybe it'll start to hit you one thing at a time. How amazing it's yeah. all been. Like yeah. even Ken Jeong is obsessed with the movie. This week he was oh posting all week and he wrote, uh, this movie is my everything. I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't stop crying. It's just a masterpiece from start to finish. How cool. Amazing. I mean, he's <laughs> the nicest person ever in the world too. So like for him to say that, obviously just comedy legend. Uh, yes. Incredible. And Whoopi Goldberg too. Legend. That's why it's like. All, and, all legends. Guys, legends have been coming out. It's so nice. Yeah. yeah. Legends only. At the- no, oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you're a regular person and you like our movie, we don't even care. You <laughs> it's a legend. We don't count the compliment. You can be just like the legends if you go see Joyride. Um, exactly. yeah. So all these comedians endorsing the movie. It was written by the two of you. Directed by Adele Lim, who co-wrote Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, Ashley Park plays Audrey. She's known from Emily in Paris. Uh, Sherry Cola plays Lolo. She's known from Good Trouble. Sabrina Wu plays Deadeye. Um, Sabrina is more known as a stand-up comic. This is sort of the first acting gig in a big movie like this. And then I have to say Academy Award nominee Stephanie Sue plays Kat. She was nominated for an Oscar this year for Best Supporting Actress for Everything Everywhere All at Once, which also won Best Picture, Actress, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress uh, for Jamie Lee Curtis, her co-star. Um, so Stephanie's character is actually a famous actress herself, which gave you guys a chance to lampoon actors and Hollywood. How early on did you decide that Kat was going to be an actress? Uh, I believe she was always she was always in that vein. I'm trying to remember yeah. back in the day uh, what exactly her because we wanted was. we wanted to do that sort of like Chinese drama kind of thing because we because that you know that's so over the top that we knew that was going to be funny and then also just the concept of her becoming someone who has to hide her past now. I feel like there was there was definitely always that aspect of like oh I'm some sort of public person who you know has to hide my you know you well you know you saw it. Yeah, exactly. Well, her character is filming a TV show in China without giving too much away. But all the moves she has to do were, you know, not unlike some of the moves she had to do in Everything Everywhere All at Once. It was kind of like this unexpected, you know, throwback to that movie, unplanned, you know. Yeah. And she's such uh, so incredible, so funny. Like, obviously, that the role in Everything Everywhere was so different from this role. Um, and we, uh, when, when we cast her, she had just come off of filming that and we, no one knew that that movie was going to be so huge. <laughs> right. And so, right. uh, it's just, she's, she's like a power. I mean, all of the actors were really were just, they brought something different to their characters, um, that were like above and beyond anything that we really wrote. Like they, they were, they were all obviously so funny as well. And so a lot of times like they had areas and then they just like rift and what ended up being in the movie was just like something funny that they had come up with. Um, so we were really lucky that the four of them were so incredible and professional and 
um, just funny every single day. Oh, it's perfect casting. I mean, I would I would text Cherry like as things were happening for the cast in real life over the last year or so, like the Oscar nomination. I'd be like, this looks like genius casting. Like, yeah, then, that's the thing. It's like we literally, yeah, we're geniuses. We're brilliant. We predicted all of this. No, but that's the thing. It's like we literally, we never could have predicted you know, like we hoped for it, but we weren't going to like guarantee, okay, we're going to pick the four funniest, best actors that we can find. Great. Okay. We did that. Here's what also needs to happen for a movie like this to really work is they all have to become best friends. We had no idea whether that was going to happen. It basically happened as soon as they all met each other. And I mean, there's, you know, we, we got so lucky. Right. And Emily in Paris became a hit show that everyone started watching. So Ashley became even more well-known. And then every yeah. single one of their stars, just like we got them at a time. And then you're like, yeah. Perfect time. So tell me about finding the cast. Did you write it with anyone in mind? Did you make offers? Did you have auditions? People send in tapes? All of the above. (laughs) We did the process, you know, as as happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I feel like early on, we knew we had our eye on Ashley because she had been friends with Daniel Day Kim um, and Daniel knows Adele. And so they were like kind of talking about her. and, And it was just one of those things where she came in and auditioned and we were like, all right. Well, that's, you know what I mean? It's like, that's done and dusted. It was, yeah. it, it, she auditioned, you know, what, one of the things was, was the super emotional scene um, and like broke everyone's heart immediately, which by the way, this was all on zoom at the time. Wow. You know, we didn't, right. we really, their chemistry reads were on zoom. You know, it was like no one ever met each other in, you know, cause this was like, this was, we were doing this during pandemic time. So it, right. but to see that that even work on a screen was, was amazing. Wow. Well, did you guys think, did the success of everything everywhere all at once, like help pave the way for Joyride to have such a big launch like it's having now, do you think, over the last few years? I mean, it definitely doesn't hurt. Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely, obviously probably. it's a very diff- different yeah. movie, um, yeah. but so great. I, I think with first Crazy Rich Asians coming in and being a big, big box office office success, I think helped pave the way for a movie like Everything Everywhere to get made, for a movie yeah. like Minari to get made, for even like, uh, for instance, Aquafina Star from Queens, we didn't get Greenland until after Crazy Rich Asians came out. And mm-hmm. so like that kind of movie, it really did help launch a lot of that what's coming out. So every little bit helps. So absolutely Everything Everywhere coming out being obviously a huge critical darling um, for sure helps us. Um, and we just love to see it. It's like, we want more. Exactly. Yeah. Have you guys personally felt a lot more represented on screen since Crazy Rich Asians was such a big hit? Oh, yeah. No, they just have more and more shows. You know what I mean? Like we did American Born Chinese as a show, like Beef is a show, like the Interior Chinatown is a show, like or will be a show. Like the these are all things that, yeah, it's like, thank you, Crazy Rich Asians. It's like for showing Hollywood that, look, these, you know, these kinds of projects with this cast can, oh, surprise, make money for you. Okay, yep. great. Let's do some more. Cause let's face it. That's what, that's what actually talks in this town. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I do think obviously like crazy rich Asians was coming off the back of like fresh off the boat being a successful network sitcom, which is coming back of like, listen, yeah. The, like the joy of luck club in 1993, you know, the mm-hmm. first big movie that really had Asian leads. And so it all kind of like built up, uh, yeah, you know, it was like teeny, one tiny, teeny, tiny, small steps. ladder steps. It yeah. felt like Crazy Rotations was like one thing that was like, wow, this is like going to open the floodgates a little bit, which, you know, it did. And then hopefully it's like we just get more and more. And um, and, and then the representation question just stops being a question. Like true equity is when we don't have to be like, yeah, representation. Yeah. You know? like True equity is when we can flop hard and they're like, great. Here's the next Asian project. We'll still give that one money, even though this one actually was a huge failure. But exactly. we don't be our project. Not ours. Not yours. Not no. this specific one. But at some point in time, someone should be able to have a huge flop. <laughs> 
with a diverse cast and not have Hollywood immediately go, ah, fuck. Okay, we never can greenland and you know anything like this again. So yeah, though Joyride's going to follow in the footsteps of all the hits you just mentioned, and you know continue and continue the uh the success but as far as representation does go like you both decided we're just going to take this into our own hands and we're going to write a big ensemble comedy with four leading roles for four asian actresses and you went for it and you know it starts out as a work trip to china you know that ultimately turns into this wild adventure that includes the search for one of their birth mothers so you said you were just you know having fun conversations and you were like we should write a movie so how did the actual idea for the movie come about uh well I'm, I, I'm actually, trying to truly think, don't even remember. remember <laughs> point, here's the, the thing. Early on, we impetus. knew the title, the working title of the movie was Joy Fuck Club. So to Which us, that, genius, genius. But that I feel like that very much gives you the vibe. We knew we wanted to do a hard R, you know, like R rated comedy and like Joy Fuck Club. That's the vibe. Um, but yeah. And then it, it was it was just. Well, you know, there, like, there are elements from our lives that we really wanted to yeah. lean into, like, especially like Audrey's identity story of like, hey, here's someone who grew up in a town where not a lot of people look like her, where she really wants to fit in, where she's maybe trying to like tamp down that Asian side of her to fit in with this world. Um, you know, that was one character. But then also the character of Lolo, who is her like unapologetic best friend, who's like, I am secure in my Asian, you know, heritage and I love my identity. Uh, and how that, like, basically, it's, you know, obviously, there's a story about identity, but it's also a story about friendship. It's like, hey, these two girls grew up together. They were really friends because they were like, saw the Asian face in the room. They're like, we're friends. <laughs> we need to take walks together. <laughs> but it's like, would they have been friends if they were not the only ones? Does How has that friendship changed when, you know, one of them is maybe a little bit more successful than the other? Um, and so... I think a lot of people can see themselves in these friends, even if they're not necessarily Asian. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a movie about friendship. You don't even really think about that part of it. You know, people will identify with the friend aspect of the movie for sure. Yeah. Like people are like, oh, 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 the, the, the Lolo, the messy one. Oh, I know someone like that, you know, like that kind of thing, as opposed to like, oh, well, you can't. Oh, the Asian one. Yeah. Because they're all Asian. You know what I mean? It's like, let's concentrate on different aspects of their characters instead. Why did the title change from Joy Fuck Club? Why couldn't it be the title? Because of the F word? Uh, I think there was part of it. They can't put hard to put that on a billboard. Put that on billboard, but also I I believe it uh, it is also the title of a porno. Um, Not good. Not good for you know farting. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it ended up just being like we're gonna we're gonna go in a different direction that's a little bit more wholesome. We know we're wholesome. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Well, they kept the they kept the joy part of the title. (laughs) Shout out to Mana Yamaguchi from Lionsgate who came up with the title Mm -hmm. uh, because we were strong struggling to find a title that was like hey it there gives a little bit of a nod to the joy luck club but also isn't you know has a little bit of edge to it because you know there were some rides in the movie yeah you know exactly yeah and it's a and it's a road trip movie in a way Um, Mm -hmm. i did notice the tagline on the poster says four friends one trip no luck so they did get the joy luck club sort of if you look for the yeah, it's in there. pieces, yeah. it's in there. Um, so while you guys were writing it, were you ever like, no, we can't do that, no, that's too far, or were you always just like, let's go for it and see what happens? Yeah, that second one. Yeah. Really? We're, no, come here. Well, here's, yeah, that this is our comedic sensibility. You know what I mean? Like, no yeah. porn. 
I don't think has any, has either of us ever like pitched a joke that like offended the other one. Like, come on, like, this is what we do. You know, like this is, this was our job. And it was, yeah. And we were just like, especially in writing it, you're like, go for it. Why not? You went for it. You guys absolutely went for it. I, I would say that the movie is sex, drugs, and K-pop. Yes. That, <laughs> listen, those are, those are some good keywords. Those are things that everyone loves. Yeah. Got, I mean, you know, new yeah, thing. That. this is going to be a good time. Exactly. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll is old sex, drugs, and K-pop. That's mm-hmm. the new thing. That's Joyride. Um, did you guys have a good feeling while you were writing it and chopping it around that it was going to sell? Did you get? No. I mean, no? I, I you never sell. When does a spec feature sell? Do you know what I'm saying? It's like the odds are so low. Like, honestly, they're so low. Like if you get a spec feature that it ends up being like a good sample, that's a calling card that then you get like, you know, like called in a pitch on something else or whatever, like that, you know, that, that, that also will take that. The, they don't get made. It's crazy. It's like, you know, I, I, the pie in the sky. That's insane. You know? And so you just hope for the best. Pretty much. But, but while also expecting the worst, because that's what this whole town is. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. But how, did, how did you end up choosing Point Grey, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg as your producers? Uh, well, they had done this thing before, you know, obviously they had produced a lot of movies, Good Boys, Blockers, um, Uh, sausage party and we just wanted people who not only kind of believe like they were like we believe in you guys but also we want you to be like we want your voices to be heard in the movie we really believe them Uh, especially you know james weaver and josh fagan who were our producers who were there josh was there with us the entire time on set um and they were just really hands-on producers uh so it was incredible just to be able to learn from them because not only were they like, okay, here's how to make an R-rated comedy, but also it's like, but also we want to hear, we want to make sure your voices are heard as well. So um, we just thought that they were the right people to kind of take this in with. Yeah. Like, we trusted them and then they trusted us. Like, you know, because there definitely are culturally specific jokes. There are moments or just vibes in the movie where they, you know, they'd be like, we don't know, but you guys know. So we'll go with it, you know? And they they were, they, they were open about that from the, from the beginning. So that was very nice. I love that. Yeah. And it definitely fits the brand of the kind of movies they've made. So you know what you're getting when you go to see Joyride. You mentioned it filmed in Vancouver. Was the original plan to film it in Asia where their trip takes place, but then the pandemic happened? It was never going to be filmed in Asia. We were going to do like maybe uh, like second unit to get some exteriors, but that didn't end up happening because of maybe a little bit because of the pandemic. Um, but uh, they filmed uh, Point Grey has done a lot of their comedies out in Vancouver and, you know, big Asian population out in Vancouver. So shout out to Vancouver. Yeah, it worked. Listen, it's a city that we never got to Exactly. See. <laughs> we hear gorgeous. Exactly. Well, listen, it, it does a good job doubling for China and Korea. And it, you guys nailed it. You really feel like you're on this, um, you know, worldwide adventure with them. And like you said, you guys were on set for all of it. Do you guys have a favorite day or a favorite scene from shooting? Um, K-pop was lit like that <laughs> because we, it was basically, it was a music video. So basically you're just, what you're watching is a concert. You know, it's like, you're watching people dance and sing in front of you. And after every single take, it was like, ah, like screaming and applause. It was so hype. It was, it was literally as if we had gone to a show. It was your own one direction that you created. Was, honestly, that's what it is because that's what truly ends up happening. It's just like, ah, okay. Yeah. We're making a movie. Ah, they're playing characters. Ah, they're in these K-pop costumes, but then they're so good. Like all of them were like so good and so awesome. And at the dancing and all and the, the vibes that you couldn't help, but just scream anyway. You know what I mean? It was like genuine screaming and applause. Oh my God. It was amazing. Yeah. They have a, at one point, uh, 
the the group of friends decides they're gonna you know be a k-pop band for for a variety of reasons and they become brownie tuesday and they put on this big performance with like a major major choreography i think the dance is becoming like a tiktok dance now mm-hmm. um and so uh music plays a, a big role in the movie uh so what and and can i say the song that they dance to or should yeah. i do you've been saying it all over the place okay so they dance to cardi b's wop which is you know uh an explicit song we could say yeah. was that the song in the script Oh, uh, that song actually uh, ended up, we were getting close. To, we always knew where there was going to be a song and we were getting close to uh, shooting. And we basically were like, well, the pie in the sky version of the scene would be WAP, which who like, w- would it ever, a- it's ever gonna actually be expensive. happen? It's going to be expensive. But what ended up happening was that um, uh, we wrote a letter to, Card- Adele wrote a letter to Cardi B um, we had written lyrics for the for the song, and then it was all of a sudden like, yeah, yeah, she's cool with it. And we're like, what? <laughs> really? Excuse me? I think it's great for her. It's a great When trip. do you get your first choice of anything? Yeah, you know what I mean? So, That's another thing. It's like, when do you get to make a movie? When do you ever sell a spec? And when do you get your first choice? I mean. So that was, that was a really special moment. And then just being able to obviously see them do the the whole <laughs> dance dance yeah that is a major set piece in the movie and the girls are actually really talented singers we know ashley park sings from emily in paris and stephanie sue was in the spongebob the musical on broadway um so they get a chance to uh show their singing and dancing ability yeah they're that that little part where they do that deep in the night acapella thing like that was them it was they just made up their own arrangement of that because they're both you know broadway babies they're just uh-huh. like they did it and it's like so perfect and so funny and so lame all at once which is what it was supposed to be and we were just like okay well great thank you uh it's amazing and it's so fun for the audience too to see all that yeah that moment always gets gets a laugh because it you know and lola's reaction to it and thinking it's lame but it's like they are really good at it but it is ridiculous like what is this like old song yeah uh, it's so good. And the Brownie Tuesday moment is, is very, very memorable for many reasons. There's a tattoo during that scene that Whoopi Goldberg wants, uh, <laughs> which I'll let people see it for themselves. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And uh, speaking of music, the whole movie opens with a Dave Matthews band song, Ants Marching. Yep. And Dave mm-hmm. Matthews is my favorite musician of all time. I've been to oh my a God. million okay. concerts since 1994. I always sit front row. I, I've hung out with him after. Like, like He's my Harry Styles, basically. Wait, wait, can I ask you this? Okay, so you hung out with him. Yeah. Do you think that he would like the movie? <laughs> and Your movie? The way yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Well, what, here's what's funny. So the movie's starting. The Lionsgate logo comes up on the screen. Ants Marching starts playing. Before I put my phone away, I quickly text Cherry to be like, a Dave Matthews song, my number one favorite thing. And then a few (laughs) minutes later, I realize they're making fun of me because, (laughs) kind of, because it shows that the town is all white people and Dave Matthews Band is just white music. And then this Chinese family has moved to town. So I thought it was kind of funny that I was so excited and then I walked right into the joke. We love it. We love it. You know, you know who else loves Dave Matthews? My brother. Okay. Oh, okay. There you go. So yeah, I made it like this town was very, you know, milk toast and Americana and that kind of thing. And it, it takes it starts in nineteen ninety-eight, I should add, and that yeah. song is one of his big hits from the nineties. Um, but I just thought it was very funny that I was so excited and then I was like, I am being made like, fun of, but I like it. I'm okay with hey. it. No, um, yeah. I was excited that you were excited. I was like, oh. I mean, 
watching it. It's oh, awesome. God. I know. I couldn't believe it was starting. And then I was like, I have to put my phone away. Otherwise, I would text yeah. you reactions. I thought to that was going to happen. I literally was like, no. I used to go to Texas. And I was like, I'm not mad at it, but I'm glad you did. Well, first of all, it was a packed theater. This was a sneak preview before it actually came out. Packed theater. So I had people so close to me oh, in yeah, the yeah, direction that I couldn't, I couldn't be yeah. on my phone, you which was a good person that Nicole Kidman is telling everyone to get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, by the way, I knew it was going to be a rowdy crowd because they clapped for the Nicole Kidman ad before and they yeah. like that's chanted. That's a mar- yes. marker. Yeah, that's the marker. And they, they all yeah. said out loud, heartbreak feels yeah. good in a place like this. Um, so, OK, I want to talk about the supporting cast of the film because there are so many familiar faces that pop up throughout the movie. You guys got the best cast in like every role. You got like the best person imaginable. So Ashley's parents are played by Annie Momolo and David Denman. Annie wrote Bridesmaids and she appears in it. David yeah. is from The Office. So those, those are those parents. And the fact that you had like a bridesmaids kind of Easter egg, you know, which is what this movie feels like, a bridesmaids type movie. Um, you have Meredith Hagner from Search Party, who plays this American that they encounter on the train. I won't give anything away, but um, <laughs> but uh, things don't go as planned for them in that moment. And then Desmond Chan plays Clarence, who's Stephanie Sue's boyfriend in the movie. He's an actor, too. He's on the show with her. He's saving himself for marriage, so he, she has to behave a certain way. Um, Lori Tanchin is Lolo's grandma. She's so funny. I mentioned she's on Nora from Queens. So you guys, I'm assuming, wrote that role for her. Tell me about getting this supporting cast. Yeah, they. I mean, uh, definitely had Lori in mind when we needed a sort of mouthy grandma character. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but yeah, each one of those people that you mentioned, they're all so funny, and obviously, they're so they were all so game to do everything. Uh, you know, like Desmond, who is basically just there to be objectified. So. <laughs> um, but also is also incredibly funny, and he yeah. brings the sweetness to this character, who a lot of times, you know, it's like. Yes, he's a beefcake, but he's also like someone that you kind of are. You're like, I think we're rooting for them to get together, even though it's like he's kind of a dork, you know. Um, And so it was just so fun to be able to have these actors come in and then be able to like say, hey, we're going to have a million alts and we're going to play around and for them to be like, yeah, cool. It was amazing. Yeah, I also have to mention Daniel Day Kim, who you guys mentioned. He plays a role in the movie. Don't want to give away who he plays, but he is so great in his scenes. And you have Baron Davis playing himself. Sherry Cola's character slides into his DMs and they meet up in person. Was it written into the script as Baron Davis? We definitely had some uh, back. Like we knew we wanted her to meet a basketball player who'd gone uh, like from the NBA to, over to China, just because that's a, a real life thing. Um, and so... Uh, because he's done acting before and he's again so funny so game um he was kind of the obvious choice yeah him and sherry improvising those sex noises dead completely I mean, dead they could have their own spin-off movie those two characters you absolutely 100 <laughs> and and the cat and clarence spin-off to i've watched that too like, that's true I, that's true i like it all of a sudden it's a universe i love yeah. that God, now we're the marvel cinematic universe okay it's, get out of here the joyride <laughs> universe i love that um but the movie really doesn't shy away from anything the drug scenes are like nothing we have ever seen before in a movie for sure sex scenes are like nothing we've ever seen in a movie before for sure uh what was it like writing those? Because you guys seem so proper in real life. Oh, really? Oh yes. my god! So nice. <laughs> oh, no compliment. Um. Well, 
fact, we definitely tried that Theragun basketball thing. Safety first, guys. Okay. Had to make sure it worked. We were we did all the sex in the movie to make sure that yeah, it was safe. You had that. to make sure that a devil's threesome was gonna technically work. Okay, guys, write what you know. Um it, we were just trying to come up with like you know what I mean? Just like funny outlandish stuff, basically. Basically the wildest things we haven't seen before in movies. Exactly. That's the thing. It was just like, you know, and that's that's very much where it like coming from a like, you know, just pitch anything. Pitch, you know what I mean? Like, what are the ideas? Let's go. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Like, it's basically when they're trying to, you know, find their passports. Like, go, go, go. No bad ideas. You know, it, yeah. was, it was kind of that, like, frankly. Well, it's interesting because it seemed like the cast was game for anything. So, you did they were all, yeah, they, they were all amazing. They were game for anything. They were so funny and professional at the same time. Like all of it, like it, it was ideal cast. Like we can't say enough good things about them. Yeah. You guys did something right. Cause they all were down to go for it. I should yeah. say. So mm-hmm. I have to ask, how did your parents react to seeing the movie <laughs> at the premiere? We come full circle to your parents limiting what you could watch. And now they get to see what their daughter put on screen um they teresa's dad hasn't gotten to see it yet so we'll he he sees that on friday morning uh at 11 a.m eastern with 19 of all of my mom and dad's friends so we'll i'll I'll get his review then yeah my parents were like they liked it first of all and I, I think I had oversold it to them because I told them this is such a hard R-rated comedy they're my I'm so sorry if you're offended by anything and then literally at the end they were like Wait. you know they, I was just like oh they're like yeah whatever that wasn't that bad like what's the big deal and I was like oh I'm, my parents are super cool sorry I didn't know all but these it, years you didn't it, know it, your parents were cool with all of it, it yeah <laughs> exactly unbeknownst to me the whole time but yeah it was that was very nice they they laughed I definitely looked over at them during certain moments and just saw like big smiles on their faces. And I was just like, great. Okay. They're having a nice time. Listen, it's funny. That's the thing. It's not offensive. It's like as funny as it gets. That's the whole. They were laughing. So I was happy about that. Well, your parents were the barometer for this whole thing. So luckily they liked it. If yeah. they liked it, everyone yeah. will like it. Yeah. Yeah. My mom and dad are seeing it apparently five times. Oh, um, they've already bought the tickets. Yes. Thank they you. are seeing it with different groups of friends. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's so they're be amazing. trying to contribute to the box office. Yeah. Mom is doing viral marketing. I would 100% see it again. It's definitely one of those movies in the theater. I mean, it's definitely one of those movies that you want to go back and watch again, especially yeah. with a crowd. Especially yeah, totally. This is crowd necessary. It, and it's, like, it's a fun movie to watch other people watch too when you know things are yeah, yeah, yeah. happening like when you've seen it and then you're but your friends haven't totally seen it. i was gonna say i love when there's like those big comedies that come out you go back to see it again to watch everyone else see it for the first time totally that's fun that's gonna yeah. be awesome um cherry and i talked I, we were saying that for the marketing they should do what they do with horror movies where they do those infrared cameras and they film oh, we people right. yeah, yeah, yeah. watching the movie i think that should have been part of the marketing uh, there yeah. might be something coming soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. interesting that you bring it up. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. I think seeing people like falling out of their chairs, reacting to certain yeah. moments would be amazing marketing because everyone wants to go and have that feeling. So tell me about the premiere. You just had the premiere last week. It was in Westwood at that amazing, you know, iconic premiere theater. Uh, and you had, you know, family with you, friends with you, the whole cast and crew. Was that just like a dream night for the two of you? It was awesome. It was lit. It was a party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. We love um looking hot. 
get you. We don't normally look like, you know, hot yeah. Yeah. because we're writers. Uh, and the so, opportunity to look hot has really been the most important part. Of, really, of the, all of it's, this, it's it's that, and that's why anyone should write a movie. <laughs> you want to tell a story? Yeah. Do you want to look hot? Then yes, that yes. should be it's your motivation. Really, just about looking hot. Um, yeah, it was it was it was great to see it finally come to life, and it like really re- was sort of a nice reminder. Of, like movies like this don't usually get made. Movies that aren't based on any sort of IP, totally original story. Well, not a superhero movie, not anything that is like that people are aware of, like, you know, not a big budget movie, not a movie that has a big movie star attached. It's like this shouldn't have been made. And so, yeah, we felt really proud of it. We were excited to go to the premiere and support it and support hopefully the movie doing really well in theaters, which fingers crossed will happen. But you never know, you know, so that's why. Yeah, yeah, we're we're just still nervous. Yeah, know? we're still nervous. But it was nice. Mm-hmm. It's definitely nice to see everyone and celebrate with people because you know what I mean. Like these movies, you know, movies are made by like two hundred people, and to have like a giant proportion of them there to yeah. all like, be happy about it together, that was very nice. What was the reaction like in the theater that night? Oh, it was also good. I mean, it was that's a huge theater, so it was very like it was like I want to say South by Southwest ish, like thirteen hundred maybe. So it was yeah, it was good. Voice I think there was an applause break after something that had, that had never happened before. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. Cool. You know, maybe, so maybe the K-pop performance. It's a, well, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different reaction every time, but it was like a good reaction. Yeah. And this is making me want to go see it again in the theater so I could watch people react to it. Oh, right yeah. after this, they're showing this evening, you know, we could, we could all go. Totally. Oh, right. It's coming out early. Um, it's, very, yeah. it's very exciting. Yeah. One of these times I will definitely go to a screen that you're going to so we can experience the joy ride together. I really felt like a very proud friend sitting there in the theater watching it. It was a great, oh, it was a great moment when your names came up on the screen at the end. I was like, yes, they did Yay. it. Huge, it's a huge, huge feat. Right? People need to understand, like we live in L.A. We know how hard it is. It's a huge yeah. accomplishment on every level, like you said, you know. It doesn't have like this big movie star or this existing IP. It's almost impossible. But you guys pulled it off. And it's a huge summer movie. You guys got like an amazing it's, opening it's, weekend. It's a very good summer movie. Yeah, this yeah. is definitely a, a, exactly. Please have eight margaritas and drag a dozen <laughs> friends and then go see this movie. Please. And just eight, have fun. Lot, depending on how yeah, much you yeah. weigh, maybe not. Don't, don't kill anyone. Slowly over the course of a brunch yeah, and yeah, go yeah. see. Exactly. Yeah. And enjoy yourselves. Well, you know, what's interesting is a lot of times people say like, oh, that movie was like 20 minutes too long, 30 minutes too long. This movie, I actually felt like I still wanted more when it was over. I was like, oh, cool. See, we would want it that way. Like I would yes. rather that be the reaction as opposed to the other. Yeah, totally. But I feel like a lot of movies, people say, like, oh, it was too long. But this one, I actually was like, wait, it's over. No, I want more. Uh-huh. Oh, good. So yeah. I think that's good. You know, a movie's good more. if it leaves you wanting more. So I'm guessing, are there a lot of deleted scenes that maybe we'll get on the iTunes extras? Yeah, there's, there's some, some stuff. Yeah. Stuff. On the cutting room floor. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to the unrated unedited (laughs) version now without giving anything away the ending to me felt like a little bit of a hint that there could possibly be a sequel at some point has there been any talk of a joyride two, or it's too early it's too early it's not it's i mean it's not it's not up to us you know it's literally up to how much money it's about to make so you know we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it i mean it would you know it sure that's I feel like it's always cool and it's always nice that people ask about a sequel. Um, but yeah, it's that's it's not a thing yet. You know, we have okay. to see. Not yet. But were you guys setting it up that maybe we'd like to see these characters together again in the future? 
Um, not necessarily. I mean, yes. Well, I mean, no, barring literally like, killing yeah, several yeah. of them off, I feel like there was always a way, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's okay. definitely, like, obviously, I think the nice reception has been that people just want to see these four people back together again. And so um, if if lucky enough to be able to do it eventually, well, obviously, once the writer strike is over, uh, we need to get a fair deal first. Yeah. Um, yeah. And begin talking about it or thinking about it. I know people it. like sequel ideas. We're like, we're, li- we're on strike. We're we not have no any, ideas. We have no ideas. There's nothing. We live exactly. we have, we actually, our we, brains we, are we dead. Right now. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you guys need to take a break first. But you can... At some point, hopefully, there will be like a joyride, ride harder, I think, is maybe. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, he pitched it. Oh, That's yeah. Pitch. That's my That's sure it. Yeah, exactly. We don't work strike. Ah, Not yeah. until after the strike. Not until after the yeah, strike. Yeah. But in the meantime, joyride in theaters nationwide, July 7th. Go see it in a crowded theater. You owe it to yourself, like I said, to see it the way it was intended on the big screen with a hysterically laughing crowd. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What's interfering with your happiness? Check out betterhelp.com slash Gursky, G-U-R-S-K-Y. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll connect in a safe and private online environment, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely and confidentially online. You can send a message to your counselor at any time, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling. They have licensed professional counselors who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, sleep, self-esteem, and much more. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash Gursky. Join over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Gursky. Now, Cherry, I also have to mention one more thing. You haven't just written for film and television. You've also written two books, young adult novels. Uh, She's So Money and Duplicate. So people should look for those if they are fans of yours. Uh, And is the plan maybe to turn those into movies one day? I turned in right the literally the day before the strike. I turned in the script for Duplicate. You did? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marseille mm-hmm. Martin attached a star. So we'll see what happens. Again, you never know. You know what I mean? You can ha- you can write a script, but who knows whether um, it'll get made. But hopefully, because she would be amazing. And you know what I mean? Like she's playing that dual role. So, yeah. Wow. I didn't even know. I didn't even purposely lead you to that. I thought. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. But yeah. So, you know, fingers crossed there, too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So check out Cherry's books, one one of which is becoming a movie. And so Maybe I, know. I've, I never I don't want to get ahead of myself. But yes, it has become a script. So we'll see. Yeah. So what's what's, what's next for you guys? Otherwise, waiting for the strike to end, I guess, is that picketing. we're picketing, picketing, baby. Yeah, we uh, we have. Uh, well, I have a strike umbrella. Yeah. Now that I I'm, have to order a strike umbrella because it's getting hot out there. Yeah. Oh, you guys, yeah. by the way, are the inventors of writers fits oh. and picket fits. Explain oh. what that is. Well, that actually started from the writer's room of Norfolk Queens, where it was the whole writing staff. Um, It was kind of a joke at the beginning where it was like, oh, you know, a lot of times writer rooms are, you know, not super fashion forward and everyone kind of looks like crap. And we're like, (laughs) 
basically as a joke we're like let's take pictures of ourselves like trying to look cool and then it became writer fits and then obviously once we were on strike and not um not in rooms anymore we uh we decided to do it for picket for for the picketing purposes and it's called at picket fits and it's just um taking pictures of cool outfits on the picket line i know i'm waiting for the day i get on picket fits on the main yeah oh we've got your photos bank yeah i've been in the stories but i want to be on the main grid gq GQ did a story about fits Guys, we made it. Yeah. It's <laughs> huge. I mean, it's amazing. So everyone go to Instagram, writer fits, picket fits, and you will not be disappointed. Another thing I have to mention, Cherry, you love your cat, Robert. I told you I was going to mention him. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I love my dog, buddy. He's your child. Everybody loves our cat, Kiwi, by the way. Oh, I don't know him. Oh, I got to follow uh, him. Does he have an Instagram? Uh, Kiwi does have an Instagram. Um, I think it's Kiwi the couch cat because she oh, used to live on the couch. Oh, she, she, oh. Got when it. she first got here, she lived in a couch for 10 days. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. Cherry, tell people what Robert's Instagram is. Uh, Chonky Bob. Chonky Bob. C-H-O-N-K-Y-B-O-B. And he's a great follow, too. Buddy has one as well. Buddy Gursky, you know. Also a great follow. Did we hear him barking earlier? And then you, like, you like politely. One quick. Like, one quick bark. But yeah, he's yeah. been very well behaved. He no, knows- but I think I, uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, talk, buddy. You know, we want to hear you, too. Totally. I know. He's very well behaved. He knows I do podcasts somehow. He like, <laughs> knows like, when I'm, I'm recording. Dad's working. Okay, yeah. Totally. It's, it's actually pretty fascinating. Um, so what can you tell people about? Robert that they should know before they follow him on Instagram because he's got, you know, a very unique personality, right? Oh, no, it's it's literally it's the only way you'll ever see him because he's deathly afraid of all other people. So except yep. for you. <laughs> <Right>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. Household, that's it. Yeah. Well, go follow Kiwi and Robert yeah. and Buddy. Um, OK, yeah. before we go, I always like to ask my guests, what advice do you have for someone who dreams of having a career like yours? Oh, God, like ours or just in general? <laughs> a writing career or yeah, yeah, yeah. film, TV. Um, I My advice is just to is just to keep doing it, basically, because like I feel like we've just been hammering on this. Like the odds are so low. You know what I mean? Nothing ever gets made. Nothing ever gets sold. But here's the thing. Like, but some things do, you know, like and it might be you. And if you quit or stop. And by the way, again, you know, shout out to if you decide to quit or stop and that this is not for you and you leave town or whatever and yay, you know, like mental health or you legit decide you want to do something else. That's great. But I just always like to encourage people to really, really stick it out because you never know, you know, it takes some people longer and it takes some people shorter, but it, you know, it'll definitely not happen for you if you, if you decide not to do it. So like, don't, don't give up on yourself basically. Exactly. Um, and I, yeah, I would say like uh part of writing is, kind of living life, I would say. And so much, obviously, writing is like, you want to keep writing, but give yourself permission to just stop writing every now and then and like go and do something cool, do something fun, meet new people, because you're going to get more ideas and inspiration, I think, from those moments that will then help inform your writing than just being so like, oh, I need to be behind a keyboard at all times writing. That's really good advice from both of you. I love that. It actually reminds me of what Joyride fan Whoopi Goldberg once said, which was uh, never give up because the day you do, success may have been right around the corner, which which I always think of. Um, it's so true. And uh, she loves Joyride, so she knows what she's talking mm-hmm. about. Smart so, woman. She's a very smart woman. She's an EGOT, and she loves Joyride. I, exactly. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, okay, the very last thing we do here and on the list, it's called the mystery question. We started this episode one where the guest from my last podcast 
leaves a question for my next guest. And that's how I end every episode. So the guest on my last podcast was Taylor John Smith from the movie Where the Crawdads Sing. So Taylor sent me a mystery question for episode 74. It was printed and sealed in this envelope. Oh my God. Then I'll have you guys send me mystery questions for my next guest, whoever that may be. So I will open it for you guys and read it right here. I know. This is very intriguing. Yes. Well, it's a great way to end each one and link every episode together. So Taylor John Smith's mystery question for Cherry and Teresa is, if you could go back in time 10 years ago and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Chill the fuck out. Like, chill. Just just fucking like it's going to be fine. You know, I, I just feel like especially and I'm talking to myself and other people who work in comedy rooms is like you can get into your own head a lot. or You can just be like, ah, what's going on? You know, like just getting to just relax. It's honestly it's like Teresa's advice, like go live your life like this isn't it. You know what I mean? The job is not 100 percent of your life. So just relax. I like that. Yeah, um, I, I definitely feel that. Uh, I think also it's like I think especially as a writer, you're going to have a lot of jobs, hopefully. And there are going to be some jobs that are just not your thing, like not your vibe, not your room. The people around you may not like totally understand your sensibility and that's okay. Uh, So I would say like, don't put as much pressure on yourself to be like, I, every single thing needs to be perfect and in, and hopefully just make it so that like, as long as you have something that you're learning from that job or that you know, whatever, whatever it is, even if you're not, you're like, I know that this isn't the show for me. Like just, if you're able to take something away from it, that isn't necessarily like, don't just, don't be like stressed out all the time, I guess, basically the same sort of thing. Um, because you're going to be able to take something away from every experience you're in and hopefully it'll make you a better writer going forward and a better showrunner going forward. Wow. That's really good stuff. Really insightful. I really enjoyed Talking to you guys about that. <laughs> when Ashley says, that's really insightful. <laughs> oh my God, I'm delighted. Okay. <laughs> oh, right. I guess I just, yeah. quoted, I just quoted the movie. But I guess also 10 years ago, advice you would give yourselves is write Joyride one day, right? And go yeah, yeah we should have done it earlier. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I love it. Well, Probably behind movie, us. We wouldn't be spiraling now. We'd be done spiraling. But. No, the best is yet to come because the movie is about to hit theaters July 7th. 2023 nationwide joyride that is a wrap on episode 74 we did it thank you cherry and Teresa, for being here i said it before i'll say it again go see joyride in the theater in theaters everywhere now uh it's the sleeper hit of the summer can't wait to see what you guys do next maybe joyride too we'll see uh thank you again to cherry and Teresa. i hope you guys had fun yeah yes thank you thanks for having us I loved having you guys. Love talking to you guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And I will talk to you next time. Bye. Hooray for Hollywood. Hooray for Hollywood. So misunderstood. So keep fighting on. When all hope is gone, you live and you learn. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.